Section 14 of The Blue Poetry Book, edited by Andrew Lang. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Elegy Written in a Country Churchyard The curfew tolls the knell of parting day. The lowing herd winds slowly o'er the lea. The plowman homeward plods his weary way, And leaves the world to darkness and to me. Now fades the glimmering landscape on the sight, And all the air a solemn stillness holds, Save where the beetle wheels his droning flight, And drowsy tinklings lull the distant folds. Save that from yonder ivy-mantled tower The moping owl does to the moon complain, Of such as, wandering near her secret bower, Molest her ancient solitary reign. Beneath those rugged elms that yew-trees shade, where heaves the turf in many a mouldering heap, each in his narrow cell for ever laid, the rude forefathers of the hamlet sleep. The breezy call of incense breathing morn, the swallow twittering from the straw-built shed, the cock's shrill clarion, or the echoing horn, no more shall rouse them from their lowly bed. For them no more the blazing hearth shall burn, or busy housewife ply her evening care. No children run to lisp their sire's return, or climb his knees, the envied kiss to share. Oft did the harvest to their sickle yield, their furrow oft the stubborn glebe has broke. How jocund did they drive their team afield, how bowed the woods beneath their sturdy stroke. Let not ambition mock their useful toil, their homely joys and destiny obscure nor grandeur here with a disdainful smile the short and simple annals of the poor the boast of heraldry the pomp of power and all that beauty all that wealth e'er gave await alike the inevitable hour the paths of glory lead but to the grave forgive ye proud the involuntary fault if memory to these no trophies raise where through the long-drawn aisle and fretted vault the pealing anthem swells the note of praise. Can storied urn or animated bust back to its mansion call the fleeting breath? Can honor's voice provoke the silent dust, or flattery soothe the dull cold ear of death? Perhaps in this neglected spot is laid some heart once pregnant with celestial fire, Hands that the rod of empire might have swayed, Or waked to ecstasy the living lyre. But knowledge to their eyes her ample page, Rich with the spoils of time, did ne'er unroll. Chill penury repressed their noble rage, And froze the genial current of the soul. Full many a gem of purest ray serene, The dark and fathomed caves of ocean bear. Full many a flower is born to blush unseen, and waste its sweetness on the desert air. Some village Hamden, that with dauntless breast the little tyrant of his fields withstood, some mute, inglorious Milton here may rest, some Cromwell guiltless of his country's blood, the applause of listening synods to command, the threats of pain and ruin to despise, to scatter plenty o'er a smiling land, and read their history in a nation's eyes. Their lot forbade, nor circumscribed alone their growing virtues, but their crimes confined, 
forbade to wade through slaughter to a throne, and shut the gates of mercy on mankind. The struggling pangs of conscious truth to hide, to quench the blushes of ingenuous shame, or heap the shrine of luxury and pride with incense kindled at the muse's flame. Far from the madding crowd's ignoble strife, their sober wishes never learned to stray. Along the cool sequestered veil of life, they kept the noiseless tenor of their way. Yet e'en those bones from insult to protect some frail memorial still erected nigh, with uncouth rhymes and shapeless sculpture decked, implores the passing tribute of a sigh. Their name, their years spelt by the unlettered muse, the place of fame and elegy supply, and many a holy text around she strews that teach the rustic moralist to die. For who to dumb forgetfulness a prey, this pleasing anxious being e'er resigned, left the warm precincts of the cheerful day, nor cast one longing, lingering look behind. On some fond breast the parting soul relies, some pious drops the closing eye requires. E'en from the tomb the voice of nature cries, E'en in our ashes live their wanted fires. For thee, who, mindful of the unhonored dead, Dost in these lines their artless tale relate, If chance, by lonely contemplation led, Some kindred spirit shall inquire thy fate. Haply some hoary-headed swain may say, Oft have we seen him at the peep of dawn, Brushing with hasty steps the dews away, To meet the sun upon the upland lawn. There, at the foot of yonder nodding beech, that wreathes its old fantastic roots so high, his listless length at noontide would he stretch, and pour upon the brook that babbles by, hard by yon wood, now smiling as in scorn, muttering his wayward fancies he would rove. Now drooping, woeful wan, like one forlorn, or crazed with care, or crossed in hopeless love. One morn I missed him on the customed hill, Along the heath and near his favorite tree, another came, nor yet beside the rill, nor up the lawn, nor at the wood was he. The next, with dirges due in sad array, slow through the churchway path we saw him borne. Approach and read, for thou canst read the lay, graved on the stone beneath yon aged thorn. THE EPITAPH here rests his head upon the lap of earth, A youth to fortune and to fame unknown. Fair science frowned not on his humble birth, And melancholy marked him for her own. Large was his bounty, and his soul sincere. Heaven did a recompense as largely sinned. He gave to misery all he had, a tear. He gained from heaven, t'was all he wished, a friend. No farther seek his merits to disclose, Or draw his frailties from their dead abode. There they, like in trembling hope, repose The bosom of his father and his God. Thomas Gray On the Morning of Christ's Nativity This is the month, and this the happy morn, Wherein the Son of Heaven's eternal King, Of wedded maid and virgin mother born, our great redemption from above did bring. 
for so the holy sages once did sing that he our deadly forfeit should release and with his father work us a perpetual peace that glorious form that light unsufferable and that far-beaming blaze of majesty wherewith he wont at heaven's high council table to sit the midst of trinal unity he laid aside and here with us to be forsook the courts of everlasting day and chose with us a darksome house of mortal clay say heavenly muse shall not thy sacred vein afford a present to the infant god hast thou no verse no hymn or solemn strain to welcome him to this his new abode now while the heaven by the sun's team untrod hath took no print of the approaching light and all the spangled host keep watch in squadrons bright see how from far upon the eastern road the star-led wizards haste with odors sweet o run prevent them with thy humble ode and lay it lowly at his blessed feet have thou the honour first thy lord to greet and join thy voice unto the angel choir from out his secret altar touched with hallowed fire the hymn it was the winter wild while the heaven-born child all meanly wrapped in the rude manger lies nature in awe to him hath doffed her gaudy trim with her great master so to sympathize it was no season then for her to wanton with the sun her lusty paramour only with speeches fair she woos the gentle air to hide her guilty front with innocent snow and on her naked shame pollute with sinful blame the saintly veil of maiden white to throw confounded that her maker's eyes should look so near upon her foul deformities but he her fears to cease sent down the meek-eyed peace she crowned with olive green came softly sliding down through the turning sphere his ready harbinger with turtle-wing the amorous clouds dividing and waving wide her myrtle wand she strikes a universal peace through sea and land no war nor battle sound was heard the world around the idle spear and shield were high up hung the hooked chariot stood unstained with hostile blood the trumpet spake not to the armed throng and kings sat still with awful eye as if they surely knew their sovereign lord was by but peaceful was the night wherein the prince of light his reign of peace upon the earth began the winds with wonder whist smoothly the waters kissed whispering new joys to the mild ocean who now hath quite forgot to rave while birds of calm sit brooding on the charmed wave the stars with deep amaze stand fixed in steadfast gaze bending one way their precious influence and will not take their flight for all the morning light or lucifer that often warned them thence but in their glimmering orbs did glow until their lord himself bespake and bid them go and though the shady gloom had given day her room the sun himself withheld his wonted speed and hid his head for shame as his inferior flame the new enlightened world no more should need he saw a greater sun appear than his bright throne or burning axle-tree could bear the shepherds on the lawn or ere the point of dawn sate simply chatting in a rustic row 
full little thought they then that the mighty pan was kindly come to live with them below perhaps their loves or else their sheep was all that did their silly thoughts so busy keep when such music sweet their hearts and ears did greet as never was by mortal finger strook divinely warbled voice answering the stringed noise as all their souls in blissful rapture took the air such pleasure loath to lose with thousand echoes still prolongs each heavenly close nature that heard such sound beneath the hollow round of cynthia's seat the airy region thrilling now was almost one to think her part was done and that her reign had here its last fulfilling she knew such harmony alone could hold all heaven and earth in happier union at last surrounds their sight a globe of circular light that with long beams the shamefaced night arrayed the helmed cherubim and sordid seraphim are seen in glittering ranks with wings displayed harping in loud and solemn choir with unexpressive notes to heaven's new-born air such music as tis said before was never made but when of old the sons of morning sung while the creator great his constellations set and the well-balanced world on hinges hung anna cast the dark foundations deep and bid the weltering waves their oozy channel keep ring out ye crystal spheres once bless our human ears if ye have power to touch our senses so and let your silver chime move in melodious time and let the bass of heaven's deep organ blow and with your ninefold harmony make up full consort to the angelic symphony for if such holy song enwrap our fancy long time will run back and fetch the age of gold and speckled vanity will sicken soon and die and leprous sin will melt from earthly mould and hell itself will pass away and leave her dolorous mansions to the peering day yea truth and justice then will down return to men orbed in a rainbow and like glories wearing mercy will set between throned in celestial sheen with radiant feet the tissued clouds down steering and heaven as at some festival will open wide the gates of her high palace hall but wisest fate says no this must not yet be so the babe yet lies in smiling infancy that on the bitter cross must redeem our loss so both himself and us to glorify yet first to those he chained in sleep the wakeful trump of doom must thunder through the deep with such a horrid clang as on mount sinai rang while the red fire and smouldery clouds outbreak the aged earth aghast with terror of that blast shall from the surface to the centre shake when at the world's last session the dreadful judge in middle air shall spread his throne and then at last our bliss full and perfect is but now begins for from this happy day the old dragon underground in straighter limits bound not half so far casts his usurped sway and wroth to see his kingdom fall swinges the scaly horror of his folded tail the oracles are dumb 
no voice or hideous hum runs through the arched roof in words deceiving apollo from his shrine can no more divine with hollow shriek the steep of delphos leaving no nightly trance or breathed spell inspires the pale-eyed priest from the prophetic cell the lonely mountains o'er and the resounding shore a voice of weeping heard and loud lament from haunted spring and dale edged with poplar pale the parting genius is with sighing sent with flower inwoven tresses torn the nymphs in twilight shade of tangled thickets mourn in consecrated earth and on the holy hearth the lars and lemures moan with midnight plaint in urns and altars round a drear and dying sound affrights the flamens at their service quaint and the chill marble seems to sweat while each peculiar power foregoes his wonted seat peor and balaam forsake their temples dim with that twice-battered god of palestine and mooned ashtaroth heaven's queen and mother both now sits not girt with taper's holy shine the libic hammon shrinks his horn in vain the tyrian maids their wounded tammuz mourn and sullen moloch fled hath left in shadows dread his burning idol all of blackest hue in vain with cymbals ring they call the grisly king in dismal dance about the furnace blue the brutish gods of nile as fast isis and orus and the dog anubis haste nor is osiris seen in memphian grove or green trampling the unshowered grass with lowings loud nor can he be at rest within his sacred chest naught but profoundest hell can be his shroud in vain with timbreled anthems dark the sable-stoled sorcerers bear his worshipped ark he feels from judah's land the dreaded infant's hand the rays of bethlehem blind his dusky eye not all the gods beside longer dare abide not typhon huge ending in snaky twine our babe to show his godhead true can in his swaddling bands control the damned crew so when the sun in bed curtained with cloudy red pillows his chin upon an orient wave the flocking shadows pale troop to the infernal jail each fettered ghost slips to his several grave and the yellow-skirted fays fly after the night-steeds leaving their moon-loved maze but see the virgin blessed hath laid her babe to rest time is our tedious song should here have ending heaven's youngest timid star hath fixed her polished car her sleeping lord with handmaid lamp attending and all about the courtly stable bright harnessed angels sit in order serviceable john milton winter in a drear nighted december too happy happy tree thy branches ne'er remember their green felicity the north cannot undo them with a sleety whistle through them nor frozen thawings glue them from budding at the prime in a drear nighted december too happy happy brook thy bubblings ne'er remember apollo's summer look but with a sweet forgetting they stay their crystal fretting 
never, never petting about the frozen time. Ah, would twere so with many a gentle girl and boy, but were there ever any writhed not at passage joy, to know the change and feel it, when there is none to heal it, nor numbed sense to steal it, was never said in rhyme. By John Keats Christabel Tis the middle of night by the castle clock, and the owls have awakened the crowing cock. To wit, to woo, and hark again, the crowing cock, how drowsily it crew. Sir Leoline, the baron rich, hath a toothless mastiff bitch from her kennel beneath the rock, maketh answer to the clock, four for the quarters, and twelve for the hour, ever and I by shine and shower. Sixteen short howls, not overloud. Some say she sees my lady's shroud. Is the night chilly and dark? The night is chilly, but not dark. The thin gray cloud is spread on high. It covers, but not hides, the sky. The moon is behind and at the full, and yet she looks both small and dull. The night is chill, the cloud is gray. "'Tis a month before the month of May, "'and the spring comes slowly up this way. "'The lovely lady Christabel, "'whom her father loves so well, "'what makes her in the woods so late "'a furlong from the castle gate? "'She had dreams all yesternight "'of her own betrothed night, "'and she in the midnight wood will pray "'for the wheel of her lover that's far away. "'She stole along, she nothing spoke, the sighs she heaved were soft and low, and naught was green upon the oak but moss and rarest mistletoe. She kneels beneath the huge oak tree, and in silence prayeth she. The lady sprang up suddenly, the lovely lady Christabel. It moaned as near, as near can be, but what is it? She cannot tell. On the other side it seems to be of the huge, broad-breasted old oak tree. The night is chill, the forest bare. Is it the wind that moaneth bleak? There is not wind enough in the air to move away the ringlet curl from the lovely lady's cheek. There is not wind enough to twirl the one red leaf, the last of its clan that dances as often as dance it can hanging so light and hanging so high on the topmost twig that looks up to the sky. Hush, beating heart of Christabel! Jesu Maria, shield her well! She folded her arms beneath her cloak and stole to the other side of the oak. What sees she there? There she sees a damsel bright, dressed in a silken robe of white that shadowy in the moonlight shone, the neck that made that white robe wan, her stately neck and arms were bare, her blue-veined feet unsandaled were, and wildly glittered here and there the gems entangled in her hair. I guess t'was frightful there to see a lady so richly clad as she, beautiful exceedingly. Mother Mary, save me now, said Christabel, and who art thou? The lady strange made answer meet, and her voice was faint and sweet. Have pity on my sore distress, I scarce can speak for weariness. 
"'Stretch forth thy hand, and have no fear,' said Christabel. "'How camest thou here?' And the lady, whose voice was faint and sweet, did thus pursue her answer meet. "'My sire is of a noble line, and my name is Geraldine. Five warriors seized me yestermorn, me, even me, a maid forlorn.' They choked my cries with force and fright, and tied me on a palfrey white. The palfrey was as fleet as wind, and they rode furiously behind. They spurred amain, their steeds were white, and once we crossed the shade of night. As sure as heaven shall rescue me, I have no thought what men they be, nor do I know how long it is, for I have lain entranced, I wis. Since one, the tallest of the five, took me from the palfrey's back, a weary woman, scarce alive. Some muttered words his comrades spoke. He placed me underneath this oak. He swore they would return with haste. Whither they went, I cannot tell. I thought I heard, some minutes past, sounds as of a castle bell. Stretch forth thy hand, thus ended she, and help a wretched maid to flee. Then Christabel stretched forth her hand, and comforted fair Geraldine. Oh, well, bright dame, may you command the service of Sir Leoline, and gladly our stout chivalry will he send forth, and friends withal, to guide and guard you safe and free, home to your noble father's hall. She rose, and forth with steps they passed, that strove to be, and were not, fast, her gracious stars the lady blessed, and thus spake on sweet Christabel. All our household are at rest, the hall as silent as the cell. Sir Leoline is weak in health, and may not well awakened be, but we will move as if in stealth, and I beseech your courtesy this night to share your couch with me. They crossed the moat, and Christabel took the key that fitted well. A little door she opened straight, all in the middle of the gate, the gate that was ironed within and without, where an army in battle array had marched out. The lady sank belike through pain, and Christabel with might and main lifted her up a weary weight over the threshold of the gate. Then the lady rose again, and moved as if she were not in pain. So free from danger, free from fear, they crossed the court, Right glad they were, and Christabel devoutly cried to the lady by her side, Praise we the Virgin all divine, who hath rescued thee from thy distress. Alas, alas, said Geraldine, I cannot speak for weariness. So free from danger, free from fear, they crossed the court, right glad they were. Outside her kennel the mastiff old lay fast asleep in moonshine cold, the mastiff old did not awake, yet she an angry moan did make. And what can ail the mastiff bitch? Never till now she uttered yell beneath the eye of Christabel. Perhaps it is the owlet's scritch, for what can ail the mastiff bitch? They passed the hall that echoes still pass as lightly as you will. The brands were flat, the brands were dying, amid their own white ashes lying. But when the lady passed, there came a tongue of light, a fit of flame. And Christabel saw the lady's eye, 
and nothing else saw she thereby save the boss of the shield of Sir Leoline Tall, which hung in a murky old niche in the wall. Oh, softly tread, said Christabel, my father seldom sleepeth well. Sweet Christabel, her feet doth bear, and jealous of the listening air, they steal their way from stair to stair, now in glimmer and now in gloom, and now they pass the baron's room, as still as death with stifled breath, and now have reached her chamber door, and now doth Geraldine press down the rushes of the chamber floor. The moon shines dim in the open air, and not a moonbeam enters here, but they without its light can see the chamber carved so curiously, carved with figures strange and sweet, all made out of the carver's brain for a lady's chamber meet. The lamp with twofold silver chain is fastened to an angel's feet. The silver lamp burns dead and dim, but Christabel the lamp will trim. She trimmed the lamp and made it bright, and left it swinging to and fro, while Geraldine, in wretched plight, sank down upon the floor below. Oh, weary lady, Geraldine, I pray you, drink this cordial wine. It is a wine of virtuous powers. My mother made it of wild flowers. And will your mother pity me, who am a maiden most forlorn? Christabel answered, Woe is me, she died the hour that I was born. I have heard the gray-haired briar tell how on her deathbed she did say that she could hear the castle bell strike twelve upon my wedding day. Oh, mother dear, that thou wert here! I would, said Geraldine, she were. But soon with altered voice said she, Off, wandering mother, peak and pine, I have power to bid thee flee. Alas, what ails poor Geraldine? Why stares she with unsettled eye? Can she the bodiless dead espy? And why, with hollow voice, cries she, Off, woman, off, this hour is mine, Though thou her guardian spirit be, Off, woman, off, tis given to me. Then Christabel knelt by the lady's side, And raised to heaven her eyes so blue. Alas, said she, this ghastly ride, Dear lady, it hath wildered you. The lady wiped her moist cold brow, And faintly said, "'Tis over now. Again the wildflower wine she drank, Her fair large eyes gan glitter bright, And from the floor whereon she sank The lofty lady stood upright. She was most beautiful to see, Like a lady of a far country. And thus the lofty lady spake, all they who live in the upper sky do love you, holy Christabel, and you love them, and for their sake, and for the good which me befell, even I in my degree will try, fair maiden, to requite you well. But now unrobe yourself, for I must pray, ere yet in bed I lie. Quoth Christabel, so let it be, and as the lady bade, did she, her gentle limbs did she undress, and lay down in her loveliness. But through her brain of weal and woe so many thoughts moved to and fro, that vain it were her lids to close. So halfway from the bed she rose, 
and on her elbow did recline to look at the lady Geraldine. Beneath the lamp the lady bowed, and slowly rolled her eyes around. Then, drawing in her breath aloud, like one that shuddered, she unbound the cincture from beneath her breast. Her silken robe and inner vest dropped to her feet, and in full view, behold, her bosom and half her side, a sight to dream of, not to tell. Oh, shield her! Shield, sweet Christabel! Yet Geraldine nor speaks nor stirs. Ah, what a stricken look was hers! Deep from within she seems halfway to lift some weight with sick assay, and eyes the maid, and seeks delay. Then suddenly, as one defied, collects herself in scorn and pride, and laid down by the maiden's side, and in her arms the maid she took, ah, well a day, and with low voice and doleful look these words did say, In the touch of this bosom there worketh a spell, which is lord of thy utterance, Christabel, thou knowest to-night, and wilt know to-morrow, this mark of my shame, this seal of my sorrow. But vainly thou warest, for this is alone in thy power to declare, that in the dim forest thou heardst a low moaning, and foundst a bright lady surpassingly fair, and didst bring her home with thee in love and in charity to shield her and shelter her from the damp air. Samuel Taylor Coleridge End of section 14 of The Blue Poetry Book Edited by Andrew Lang